0: Sport administrators, sport fans, and participants themselves. Sarah and Ash sit down with a bunch of inspiring female leaders from within the sports industry who share their journey of achieving their aspirations. Today, we welcome Lisa Sams to the podcast. Lisa has over 25 years' worth of experience working on major international events, including the Olympic, Paralympic, Commonwealth, and Invictus Games, as well as multiple world championships. Recently, Lisa has also started up her own consulting business in the era of personalized health, with a focus on helping people get healthier and happier and ultimately more productive at work. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa.
1: Thanks so much, Sarah. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for
0: joining me. Apologies, um, Ash couldn't make it today, so it's just me and Lisa for this week's episode, but... We will um, stick to our usual starter question, which is we always like to start with, um, can you tell us your earliest memory of
1: sport? Oh, good question. Um, I think I've always loved sport and whether I was playing sport at school, um, swimming, netball, horse riding were kind of my go-to sports um, that I loved doing and did all of the time. I also have very fond memories of sitting on my dad's knee uh having a little lemonade while he had a beer maybe and watching the eels play on the TV. So I guess just from a family perspective and that bonding, um, we played sport and hung out with dad and watched sport from a very early age. So I just always loved it.
0: And when was it that you realised I want to turn this into a career and work in sport?
1: I always wanted to do something in sport. People would say, what do you want to do? And I'd go, "Sport." And I had absolutely no idea what that meant. <laughs> I just wanted to be in sport. So even when I was in year 12, uh, I just kept saying I want to do something in sport and was really lucky that they university sort of just started the Bachelor of Applied Science degrees right when I finished school. So I went straight into that and still had no idea what I wanted to do or what that meant, but it was in sport and I was happy doing that. <laughs> awesome. And then... What was your, your first role in sport? So once you
0: finished uni and...
1: Yeah, well, as part of uni, this was one of my real fire, I guess, fire in the belly moments. As part of uni, we had to go and do prac. And I was working at a pub at the time, paying for, you know, my living expenses and going to uni. And I got to work with uh, three or four hotels and we put on an event for child flight. And I ran it and we raised $10,000 and saved two babies' lives. For me, that was like, I want to do this and I want to like run big events and actually learn how to do it to be able to give back later on in my career. So that was the real fire for me. Um, And then just really, really lucky when I got out of university was when Sydney had already won the Olympics. And maybe showing my age a little bit, but I went straight into a job at the Sydney Olympics in the workforce planning area. And the rest is history. I've been an event junkie ever since.
0: What a what a first job to have out of uni, straight into the Sydney Olympics. Yeah. We are recording this, um, you know, as the Olympics have just finished and we're waiting for the, the Paralympics to start, which you've just mentioned, you know, you've been part of Olympic campaigns. Can you give us a bit of insight into what it's like to work
1: at the Olympics? Absolutely. This has been the first Games that I have actually sat and watched on the TV for a number of years. And it was a really wonderful gratitude moment for me in that normally we are so busy working that you don't get to see all of the sports and experience the just wonder of what athletes do so this time around I kept saying to my friends I never knew there's this many sports in the Olympic Games did you know <laughs> it was
0: actually so hard to keep on top of all the Olympics it was like I was stressed trying to do it and then you'd miss one little bit I was just so upset but yes it was such a first world problem and an awesome situation to be in
1: yeah so I just loved every moment of watching it and really appreciating why i sort of refell in love why i got involved in events all over again which was really nice but i mean a little bit of insight in my roles a lot of them i've either done venue management roles or operational roles so it's very hands on it's very long hours it's you know very detailed planning and things change all over the place so it's hard work and people often think that it's just the glamour life that you're going to like hang out with the athletes and watch sport um and that's pretty well so far from the truth it's not funny
0: do you have i mean you've worked on multiple games do you have a favorite
1: a favorite game
0: yeah that you worked on
1: oh Sydney will always be close to my heart because it was my first experience of the magnitude of what this spectacle can be and the emotions that go along with that. Um, I worked on Sydney for three and a half years, so I was there for quite some time. So watching that journey unfold and I guess seeing all of your hard work come to fruition, pretty incredible. But I've had so many wonderful experiences all over the world. Two years ago, I managed to take my family to Samoa and move there for six months to work on the Pacific Games. So our little boy went to school and, you know, we just lived on an island for six months. So there's so different every Games and every environment and you take different things out of each one of them. Um, But I am really looking forward to Brisbane as well because it's another home game. So. Maybe that can round out the circle of experience yeah. and joy.
0: <laughs> How great. And we speak, well, there's been a bit in the media around athletes and looking after themselves because you are coming off such a high and now you're, well, for our athletes, they're currently sitting in quarantine. What's it like, though, as someone that's working on the Games because you put so much effort into it and it's such a big high for you? Um, and then a lot of the times of these these teams that are working on these events are on contract roles and then you actually you might have finished the Olympics and two or three weeks after the Olympics, you're actually unemployed and obviously deserving of a break, but then thinking about, well, what's next for me?
1: Absolutely. And I when I worked on Sydney, I did the Olympics and the Paralympics, and so it was a long event. Um, And when I left, I was at Bankstown Velodrome at the track cycling for the games. And when I left for the last time at the end of the Paralympics, I completely broke down in tears and hugged the security guard because, you know, it was all over and I didn't know how to deal with that. And no one really tells you that those emotions are going to come up either. And you're exhausted and then your phone doesn't ring and no one calls you and you're not wanted, or you're not busy, and you just literally have nothing to do. And so it's a really big difference from that environment to sitting at home by yourself, you know, wondering what your next job's going to be. So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to me in Sydney, actually, to be in that position. And I guess I was pretty lucky in the sense that I went straight to Salt Lake to the Winter Olympics, and I already had a job lined up. I just had to go, you know, six weeks at home and then I could start. So sometimes you don't have anything lined up and that's when it can be a little bit hard, particularly, you know, paying bills and just living um, on that contract work.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is a big challenge. It's also one though, um, and we've had a couple of guests speak about it before that, it's such a small world in the events and the sporting events kind of circuit and you can create such great networks and connections working on these events around the world. So what's that experience been like for you?
1: Incredible. I have friends all over the world um, and, you know, many Many Australians after Sydney travelled around the world and worked on multiple events but there's also so many people in each of those home countries or people that have travelled as well that um, you run into at different events um, around the world and it's wonderful um, to just have that connection around around the world um, and it gives you an insight into what planning's going on and what problems are they're facing. Um, And it's a really good just connection on keeping those friendships alive and being able to have such a great network. Because when you get thrown into that experience of working on an event, it's like all consuming and they become your family. So I guess they forever your family in a lot of regards because you've been through something quite moving and quite hard together.
0: Amazing. Um, you've, you've spoken a lot about, I guess, the positives and the emotional experience of working on the Olympics. What um, or what has been your, your biggest challenge in your career so far?
1: I think the ability, what I now really focus on is my own personal health and wellbeing and events. They're always going to have a deadline, the opening ceremony is going to start at eight o'clock on whatever day it's scheduled to start. And you cannot change that date. And often, you know, events can be under resourced. They can be under budgeted. They often have uh, a short time frame to to get moving. So you're always under constant pressure to deliver. And uh, A lot of people either get sick before a Games or sick during a Games, and that to me just doesn't give the athlete the best opportunity to perform at their best. So in my mind, if an athlete trains and they turn up for the 100-metre sprint, they're going to be at their best peak performance. And for me, that's what I actually now try to instill in myself and anyone that I work with. They need to turn up in their peak performance because we have to deliver for an athlete to be able to deliver. So just the challenge around not having enough time and having a lot of pressure and being able to look after yourself in a physical, mental and emotional state so that you can turn up and deliver your best.
0: Yeah, it's such an important um, aspect of not just working life but life in general Um, and especially over, I mean, the last 18 months now, the events industry has been decimated. So not only in the lead-up to an event but um, being able to use those skills in everyday life where maybe events are being cancelled and people are being made redundant or losing jobs, um, it's been really tough for that industry in particular.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, last year, just about every project that I was working on got postponed or, or cancelled. And it's hard because, you know, when our event's going to start up again is what I thought back, you know, last year. And so you have to decide, well, I still have to eat and I still have to pay the bills. So what is it that I'm going to do um, to either tide me over or career change or, you know, what it is that you can pivot to do at that point in time. And, you know, some events like oh, I think the first event to get cancelled was the Grand Prix, like literally the day the doors mm. were going to open, it got shut down. Yeah, so that's right. to put all of that effort into getting it to that point, my heart went out to all of the people that worked on that event because you know what it takes to get to that point and then you don't get to deliver on it. So that must be incredibly hard to be in that situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, um, I was working on the AO this year, even even when we went into that five-day snap lockdown, which ended up being the middle weekend of the event, which is traditionally the busiest and the, the best weekend of the event. Um, and just seeing all the commercial and partnerships teams who had all these activations and everything lined up to just be told it's not on. Um, we are all sitting around at a TV at 1 o'clock watching Dan Andrews say we're going into a snap lockdown, so yeah. there will be no crowds. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And the resilience people have had to show, especially in the events and sports industry over the last 18 months, is
1: is crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And probably we'll have to show for some time Yeah, yet, I think. Yeah.
0: I think there will be good learnings um, and things that we'll always do differently um, it's just when's the best time to look at that because right now we're still in Victoria, definitely still in the eye of the storm. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. You've worked on, um, you know, you've worked across a plethora of different events. So you mentioned, you know, Olympics. We've I mentioned in the intro around Invictus Games and um, Com Games, but you've also had different roles in each kind of event. So, you worked in, um, you know, operations, venue management, workforce management. What type of skills have you been able to transfer across those different roles?
1: Yeah, I think I was really lucky in my first role at the Sydney Olympics working in workforce planning because I was part of a team that planned every single position across every venue for the Olympic and Paralympic Games. And I think what that did is give me a really good understanding of what's required across every, we call them functional areas or departments, whatever you want to call them, um, to give you a really good understanding of, you know, how many people we need and what is it they're trying to deliver and what are the crossovers between each of the areas. And once you have a really good idea of what that looks like at a venue, um, it was quite easy for me then to go into a venue management role because, Venue management is looking at all of those areas and understanding what they do, but then bringing the people together and putting that leadership role on top of it. So it gave me a really good grounding to begin with, um, a very cross-functional grounding to understand what it takes to put on a venue or a big event or a multifaceted event. Um then from an operations perspective, I guess my brain is very logical and very detailed and very plan driven. So for me, that everything around operations is just you have to think of the scenarios and plan for them and then be able to adapt in a way that's quick enough to deliver if the plans have to change. So. I'm lucky in that I have that good grounding, but also that my brain works in that way that I can then bring logic um, to whatever scenario comes, comes my way. So, yeah, a bit of, I guess, my natural brain function, but also just understanding all of the different things that go into event. And to be honest, I've worked with some incredible people. So I've had some great leaders and had some great colleagues and putting that all together is just been a really wonderful experience in in so many different ways for me.
0: And you've worked in um, multiple countries across, you know, all these events that you've worked on. Being like, you know, working in those different countries where there's, you know, different ways of doing things and you're obviously working with the local committees as well as the internationals that come in to work on the event. I'm sure there's lots of kind of stakeholder and and relationship management that you have to to go into.
1: Absolutely. And that's part of the joy of having an event in a different country because you might be planning, say, travel and transport and logistics and packing a container, but you're actually doing it in a different way because the people are always different and the place and the culture is always different. So it gives you that really great um, experience of being with new people and meeting new people and and understanding that we're all different. Um, And that's made it, you know, really enjoyable to keep doing Maybe some of the same building blocks, but then always with the different challenges that come with that new place or that new culture, or you know, just even getting a plane to get to Rio and back is a new adventure. It's so much easier yeah. to have a home games, for example. So yeah, it just puts a different spin on it. Um, and I can order a beer in just about you know lots of languages now.
0: <laughs> so that's, that's probably, probably really, really great. <laughs> Beer and coffee it would be. So. <laughs> now, you did also, you've worked on the Invictus Games, which um, is clearly a sporting event for a, a very particular um, purpose um, and it has, you know, such a different way of bringing people together. What was that experience like?
1: It was incredible. It was such a great event. I was working um, on Cockatoo Island, which was the Land Rover um, Uh, challenge I think it was called and it was the opening event of the games and they literally get the new cars and drive them through obstacle courses Um, and it's all to time and filled with water and there's all these different points so I had no idea what this event was Um, but it was great to learn about it Um, but the biggest thing for me was just what it gave those athletes in terms of happiness and i was talking to one guy at a ca- in we had a little cafe on cockatoo island and i was just sitting down for a little break and i was talking to this man he said what do you do and i told him what i was doing and i said what do you do and he said oh i am um so and so's parent one of the australian athletes actually and he just won a medal and he said to me i said what's your experience and he said you know our son hasn't really smiled for the last six years and today is the first time I've seen him smile and cry with joy since before he went and served and you know I started crying he started (laughs) crying it was just really beautiful that through sport that you can give someone that experience and bring them back from what would have been you know a war or a terrible experience and actually give them some joy So it was really, it moved me in a lot of ways. It wasn't just an event. So I feel really blessed to have had that experience.
0: Yeah, what a um, beautiful experience. And also not just for the athlete, but his family as well. So for his parents to be there and because I imagine, you know, life's been tough for them as well. So that they can be there to experience their son's, I guess, achievement um, and happiness is incredible.
1: Yeah. And whenever you're in a dark it doesn't mean you have to have gone to war you know there are a lot of people struggling right now but to have one thing that makes you get out of bed or makes you go outside or makes you feel happy for a moment in time in your day if if that can be sport then that's fantastic you know because you might just need that one thing to make you feel better to keep going with your life.
0: Yeah, amazing. And it kind of leads into actually the next um, question I have for you, which is what do you do to look after yourself and to keep learning and and making sure that you can turn up to be the the best you can be?
1: Yeah, so last year when uh, I've always been quite fascinated with my health and tried to be healthy, but I never really understood what that was for me. And, you know, do I do a boxing class in the morning or do I go and have keto because everyone else is doing keto or do I do Pilates or do I go to bed early or go to bed late or, you know, you're just guessing really what feels good or what your neighbour's doing or your friend's doing. Um, So when COVID hit last year, I um, found myself with some additional time up my sleeves And I delved into the world of personalised health and did a few courses and um, I am now a personalised health coach. And we look at your biology, so from before the time you were born and how your body is made up, and then we can actually look very holistically at what's best for you as an individual um, in terms of, whether it be exercise or whether it be food or whether it be who you spend your time with or how you use your brain, your mind, um, what time of the day that you do things that are best for you. And for me, that just gave me, it's almost like a Bible that this is the way you should live your life the best way possible for you. And so I very religiously follow my profile as a health type and I've changed the way that I work and the way that I show up in the world because of that knowledge now. Um, so I, I am really passionate about it because I've personally benefited so much from it and can really see the results from me. And then when I deliver programs, really see the results for a lot of people. So it's a very fascinating area um, and one that I'm really, truly passionate about. And I guess I wanna be able to give back to an industry that's been so great to me and help people become that resilient person and become that person that is the fittest and the healthiest and the best person on the start line the same way that an athlete is.
0: And I imagine it's um, quite a rewarding role that you have when you play in people's
1: lives. Yeah, absolutely. When you see someone say, for example, I, I, um, I feel like I have permission for the first time in my life to be myself is a comment that I've been given on numerous occasions or I just can't believe how much energy I have or I haven't slept this well for I don't know how long um, or I have a greater connection with my colleagues because I actually understand that I am different and they're different and the reason that person is different they're not yelling at me because they're not a nice person they're actually stressed themselves and I can actually then help them you know, find a better place to be in the world and communicate that better. And it just gives you a deeper relationship with people once you understand their actions come from a very biological standpoint. And it's not because they're not a nice person. It's because of all the things that might be happening in their life right now that is causing them to react in a way that their biology is telling them. Um, so once you kind of get to understand that, you can appreciate that we're all different and we all have different things that we're great at and that we're strong in and we should really utilise those strengths in as many ways as we can.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds really interesting. And so I'm interested to hear, um, you know, you've obviously got that part of your your world and you're, you're still within the sports um, industry as well. So where to next? What do you think the future holds for you um, within your career?
1: Uh, great question. <laughs> I, um, As part of my health type, actually, one of the things that I'm really great at is planning long term. Yeah. So for me, this right. is a great question. <laughs> um, I really want to meld that health and wellness into events. and. Yeah, right get that to be the norm, the new norm of how we run an event is actually by looking after people first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether we recruit people based on their strengths, whether we train people on their strengths, whether we combine teams with different health types to actually have someone who's really good in the now, someone who's really good in the future, someone who's great at starting things with ideas and innovation, um, someone who's great with logic and processes and systems to put all of those crazy ideas into, you know, a format that can be delivered. So looking at how we can utilise differences in people and their strengths to bring out the best in what events we can deliver in the future.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I find um, mental health and wellbeing, especially in sports and event industry, probably like one of the weaker points of it it's nearly some events that i've worked on um you know across the last 10 or 15 years is like you have to run yourself into the ground and you wear it like a badge of honor and it just comes with that's what happens when you work in sport events like it's being seen as as having a good sleep and being um you know not as tired as everyone else isn't a positive thing in the events industry
1: yeah which is you, it's know, how does yeah. make sense, I you know, that know. we're being asked to deliver things of magnitude that matter yeah. to people. Um, and, and you're exactly right. You know, it's almost like going to war in the sense that you have to be tougher and you have to be stronger and you have to keep going and you're not allowed to rest. And that's a real mentality of if you want to get anywhere, you have to do. You know, that's just what the industry is. But I I would love to be able to change that in a very meaningful way. Um, One of the most valuable things I learned in the last couple of years is that, you know, two things. One, um, high performance comes from rest. If you listen to any athlete that talks in Tokyo or, you know, maybe take it on for listening to athletes come um, the Paralympic Games, If they finish their heats, if they finish their quarters, if they finish their semis, what are they going to do as soon as they get off that court that they tell, you know, they tell the person, the interviewer every time, what are you going to do now? I'm going to go back. I'm going to rest. I'm going to recover. I'm going to refuel. I'm going to eat some food. I'm going to get some sleep so that I can come back and perform at my best." And if we just took that as a little lesson from an athlete performing in a high-performance environment and put that into the way that we turn up in events and we deliver, um, you know, isn't that powerful that we yeah. would go, you know what, if I'm going to come back tomorrow and perform in the final and deliver this event, I need to go home and rest right now because that's the best thing for me.
0: I mean, it was actually Ariane Titmus that called it out, I think, in the semi after her I'm going to say 800 because she'd had such a full-on schedule and then she came out and was like, I'm just really tired and I need a rest because I haven't been able to get a free day yet. And so after the 800, she got 36 hours before the final, came in as second and, you know, everyone was like, she called out that she's exhausted and she's really tired and she knew that leading in with the schedule. But, geez, I don't think I've ever done, like, I think that me and my colleagues it's something we're really bad at because we just... Um, you know, just keep going and then we don't produce the the work that's probably up to the level that we, we know we can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And people keep pushing through and really you're not your most productive self. So you're only doing maybe half or three quarters of the job that you could do to the level that you want to do it. Whereas if we were understanding of what our you know true biology was we could say you know what at this time of day it's really important for me to go and exercise or it's really important for me to go and have a rest and that would be okay for your colleagues because they know that that is actually the best thing that when you come back into the room you're going to be at your peak performance and achieve so much more than if you just sat and you know twiddled away at your computer and wrote a few notes and were really not productive yeah yeah um, so, you know, one of the things we're doing for COM Games next year with our team is actually setting some guidelines around what is it that makes you perform at your, be- your best and how can we support you? Um, and as example of that, one of my colleagues has said, I want 20 minutes in the afternoon to meditate and just have uh, 10 minutes walk by myself, so half an hour, and I'll be able to come back and be my best self. And so we've all agreed to that as a team, this is what's going to make her the best and that's okay with us moving forward and that's what we support her to do. So it's going to be really great going into this event environment knowing that we've all got these little things that we need and we can support our teammates to be their best selves.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds great. Um, so what does the, the plan for Com Games
1: 2022 look
0: like
1: for you? For me, I am heading up the operations for the team. Um so everything from air travel, ground transport, freight logistics, um bumping, bump out, I guess getting people there, building all the stuff, making sure it works and getting people home. It's <laughs> a good way, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Um in whatever environment that we're faced with to make that happen in the safest and best way yeah. possible.
0: I can only imagine that it keeps changing based on, you know, COVID and and what that looks like and you're planning for
1: scenarios that may or may not ever happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to think there was a lot of scenarios, but there's more now. (laughs) I can only imagine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, been an absolute pleasure um, chatting to you Lisa I've really enjoyed listening to you know what you've been up to what you're doing recently it's really interesting I just want to finish off with one final question I hope that's okay with you and um, this is just more around I guess think back to when you were um, heading into uni and or just finished uni coming out of your applied science course what are the top three tips you would give to a female um, looking to get into the sports industry
1: Um, I think at first, for me at least, I didn't know what I didn't know and I, I might not have known where I wanted to go, what path I wanted to choose or if I wanted to do ops or venue management or workforce or, you know, what it was that was my real passion. And so I would just say give anything that you get a chance to do a go And to make sure that you put your hand up to have a go. Don't be scared to let people know of your wishes or your desires or your intentions to get involved and just try to do as many different things as you can to get that experience. Um, There's always learnings to be had from anything you do. And so I think just getting in there and having a crack is is a really good way to look at it. Um, I think for me, if I could, you know, return back to that space, I would, if I had the knowledge I had now, really focus on my health and well-being, And that sort of come with age and experience. But if I could redo that time with hindsight, I would make sure that I was really looking after myself in a mental and physical and emotional way, because there is absolutely no doubt that that brings out the best in you. So if you're looking after that your your genius is going to flow anyway so you're going to be better at whatever you do if you're healthy and well um, in, in as best way that you can be and then the last thing maybe I would say was you know if you don't really know what you want to do maybe just focus on something that inspires you and you don't have to know how to get there The steps will come as you go, but if you have this, I want to work at the Olympic Games, for example, might be something that you say to yourself, or I want to work at the Champions League or I want to work for Women's Football World Cup, have that as a goal and then just work your way towards that goal. Um, You don't have to know how to get there, but it will just hold you in good stead and give you a a guiding light, I guess, to to get to where you want to get to, um, keep you on track.
0: Yeah, awesome. I love those tips. Um, and you know, I don't think anyone should be, dissing, you know, worried about where their path might lead them. We always joke now that, you know, that age old question of where do you se- see yourself in five years? Well, I can guarantee you, five years ago, no one saw us sitting here working from home during a pandemic. So it'll, um, yeah, keep the end goal in sight and then work your way there no matter which path you take so thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to to have you on and we're really excited to see how
1: you go with everything in the future thank you sarah thanks for having me great to chat (laughs) we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the sports intuition podcast if you did we would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave us a rating and any reviews and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode